Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery and welcome to a preview for the upcoming season. We are entering your podcast feed momentarily before the official start of season five. A, to give you a bit of an update on what's happening in our world and B, talk about season five and what to expect. Yeah, and C, to say... Hello to you in 2020. Yeah, this is our first recording for 2020. It is. We were going to record, just pull back the curtain for a second. We were going to record the first couple of episodes of this season at the end of last year. And in fact, we did. We, we, we recorded look, we did. an episode. Pull back the, the curtain fully. We did record an episode. It didn't go well. It was unbelievable how tired and bad it was. It was not our it was best awful. work. Because no. we had to put ourselves... As if it was 2020. You know, new year yeah, new, vibes, new yeah. decade vibes yeah. and kind of talk as if we had had the experience of time off without having had time off. It wasn't great. I'm not into faking that for sure. <laughs> no, I can't, it's the first time we've ever it. tried to do it and yeah. it, it's, there's a reason it we was, haven't ever done it, it before. It was a disaster because it was at a time when Australia was on fire. It, yeah, it was. That was the very beginning of the, the bushfire crisis. And looking back, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm glad we didn't do that for heaps of reasons, but also because it wouldn't have rung true of the summer that we've experienced and where we're at and, you know, how we're starting the new decade feeling. Yeah. It would have been really ingenuine. We never would have been able to put it out. No, exactly. Because it was just, well, I mean, let's sort of go back to the end of 2019 and yes we were feeling sort of tired but then the bushfires hit and there was feelings that I've never experienced before. Yeah it's been really uh, look and before I talk any more about it we weren't directly affected in terms of our town by the fire or anything like that. Um, I know people who were and it wasn't far from us but we've been safe the whole time so that's where we're coming from and I know that there are many people, too many people who have been far more significantly affected in just unimaginable ways. Um, but, yeah, I've experienced emotions and I read it in a, an article in The Guardian. Someone described it as like a collective grief as we watched, you know, what was happening and what is still happening. We're recording this in February and they started in October. And they're still going. And they're still, they're still burning. Um what you experience daily has been completely unique experience and just awful. I still get really emotional talking about it because it's been, um, yeah, just terrible, mm. just terrible. You know, that's such a inadequate word. Mm. Um, and I want to just thank everyone quickly uh, who has gotten in touch to check that we're okay. Um, we are, and we have been, and we're very lucky. Um, but it, it was it was lovely to get your messages of um, care over the, the last couple of months. Certainly not the way anyone wanted to start a new decade. Not, that's for sure. Traditionally, you enter the Christmas New Year period, uh, a lot of things wind down, work winds down, people are in holiday mode and it's a time of sort of relax, renewal, you know, just trying to get your priorities straight and you come back into the new year refreshed and ready yeah. to go. And that hasn't happened this year. No, it hasn't. And it hasn't happened for, 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 for many people and including our kids who at the end of their school holidays, uh, one of our kids just turned around and said, 
Geez, that really didn't feel like we had a holiday at all. Yeah, it was a strange feeling, wasn't it? You know, just the things that we would normally do, nothing exciting, but uh, weren't really possible. You know, the, the smoke was unbelievable for weeks on end. So, you know, we didn't want to go bushwalking or bike riding and the heat was pretty terrible some days and there were many days that we didn't want to drive anywhere because the fire level was so high that if something flared up nearby, we may not be able to get home or, you know, all of those things that really did just stop us from doing a lot of the normal holiday things that we would do. And I know we're certainly not alone in that. I think everyone I spoke to experienced the same thing, both where we live and you know, all over the state. Constantly checking an app called Fires Near Me. You know, it was that sort of, it was so... You're on high alert. Constantly on high alert. And you were constantly looking at weather and constantly looking at wind changes because there was a critical night for us. Um, I remember it on a Saturday night when this big southerly came through, and which brought colder temperatures. But we were in the direct line of a fire for quite some time. And if the, the wind changed to a, a southwesterly instead of a southeasterly, we would have been... Our town would have been impacted. Really yeah. impacted. And so you're at the mercy of looking at what the weather was doing. You had no control, high alert, constantly looking at this app. I downloaded this app and it was this, a scanner app, so it was picking up feeds, live feeds from the fire brigade and the rural fire service and the teams that were going in and fighting fires nearby. Strike team. Strike yeah. team. And so I could hear, I could hear in their voices how, how tired these firefighters were and they were so controlled. Everyone was really like measured calm. and calm and it was unbelievable. But you could just hear saying, you know, the people saying that if we don't get another truck here, we're out of water, we're going to lose houses, mm. we're going to lose property. Yeah, and that was a constant and I listened all night to this. That was, yeah, that was probably the worst night for us mm. uh, and we were just, I hesitate to say lucky. We were lucky but it came at the expense of other places, you know, mm. because the wind did change. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really, I, I found myself thinking a lot about you know, access to information too because, mm. if, again, everyone I spoke to was constantly refreshing that app and there was three or four other services that you could use to track, you know, how things were moving and, and the um, Sydney Morning Herald and The Guardian both had like live blogs updating as news came to light. And it was sort of this cycling through all of that information over and over again in the hope that things didn't get worse or in the hope that nothing new started. And what that did to my um, nervous system was to just elevate it. Mm. And at some point you have to realise that that level of information is actually not helping in any real measurable way. It's actually doing you a disservice, you know. Um, there is information and it's important and it's critical that you are aware of it. And beyond that, it's, for me, I don't think it was it was a, a positive thing. But some days it was necessary. So, And, and it was necessary because you were, you were wanting to try and find as much information as possible to to give you enough time to get out if you needed to get out because it was, you know, you'd, you'd in your mind you'd think about a trigger point, like if it reached this road, we're out, yeah. you know, and that's what we said. We said if, if it reaches this road, we've got to get out because otherwise all the roads will be blocked off. And there were on occasions when a lot of the roads were closed and we only had one escape road Way basically. in or out, yeah. Um, so that, there was that but there was also on a macro level, which was really, I think, 
um, the, of, of most concern was a complete lack of leadership. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, from our perceived and so-called leaders yeah. of the country. They were almost turning a blind eye to what was happening. And that was the most frustrating. So you not only had this emergency level threat happening, but then the powers that be, the higher level, they were sort of ignoring what it was and how bad it was and why it was and what causes. And there was it was just unbelievable. Well, until this void of leadership. Until New Year's Eve, which was sort of um I think when the crisis which had been ongoing since August <laughs> up north, the, that was the first time it became global news. Mm. And it was an interesting timing that that was also the first time that several governments um, stopped peddling the line, Australia's always had bushfires, you know, we'll survive, we'll recover, and started to treat it like the absolute crisis it was. And it's too late. Mm, it was too way late. too late for so many reasons. Mm. But um, I think that that lack of empathy and humanity definitely compounded the trauma that a lot of people experienced and will continue to because mm. it's not getting much better. It was embarrassing. We had other gut, like other countries of the world just la- we were like not even laughing stock. Mm. People were saying this is a crisis, we need to do something. And we had our, a government say there's no crisis. This is normal. We've always Business had bushfire. Business as usual. I'm yeah, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was ashamed to have all this all the other world leaders and basically everyone saying get your act together Australia this is pathetic. Yeah. We were laughing the laughing stock. And I think and- I mean the timing was was really fascinating too I think because this bushfire crisis this complete catastrophic season um came at a time a where the government scientists said it would. They've known for many years that this was on the cards and didn't do anything to mitigate it, but B, at a time where the world is changing their conversation around the climate crisis and looking to countries like ours to lead. Australia has always prided itself on batting way out of its league in a global sense. You know, for a relatively small country, we're very wealthy, we're very fortunate, um, and we outperform where we should globally in many areas. And that's something Australians have always prided themselves on. Yet when it comes to leadership in this absolutely necessary transition away from a carbon-based economy, it just has to happen. Mm. And it can happen in a just and fair way. In, In this instance, we are burying our heads in the sand and our government is literally saying we're doing our bit. There's no vision. There's no, there's no pride in doing more than our bit. Mm. I mean, the fact that quote, doing our bit comes from accounting tricks and mm. peddling the, the same myth that we only account for 1.3% of the global um, Emission. emissions. It's not true, yeah. <laughs> first of all. So by doing our bit, we're just shirking our responsibility. And mm. I think that all of these things happened at the time at, at a time where the, the global conversation has shifted. I mean, there was a conversation or a, a debate, I guess, in the British Parliament in That's January. incredible. Where it's... Climate change is not a partisan issue. It's 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 a it everyone agrees that mm. something needs to happen. In Australia, it is still a politicized issue. It is like us versus them, climate change versus deniers. It's absurd to me. Mm. Absurd. Mm. I read an article that says if you if you're waiting for a hundred percent consensus 
um, scientific consensus on climate change, you're going to be waiting forever because there is not even 100% consensus on gravity. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it, it, it just... It beggars belief. So while we had that void of leadership on that macro level, what was really pleasing for us, particularly in a new community, it was the sense of doing our bit but doing more from a, on a community level. And I know you said that um, Australia's always prided itself on just doing more, yeah. you know, helping one another. And it didn't happen by the government at all, yeah. but it has happened on a massive scale on a more micro level mm-hmm. and people have just come together and the generosity and the just the being able to help people has been incredible. It has. Yeah, really it really has been incredible to the point where you were supporting um, and I know you did this through um, social media, you put the call out to support our local wildlife rescue a team, Kirsten and Woody, Kirsten yeah. Woody, who we actually stayed with when we first came to the area, and um, saw all the good work that they do. Yeah, so a big thank you to all those that um, supported Kirsten and Woody. I was absolutely blown away by the generosity of our community. I think we raised over ten thousand dollars for Kirsten and Woody, and that goes directly to their bank account, um, and will be used to to buy food for the many, many um, rescues that they've had since the bushfires, as well as building new enclosures and medicine and burn creams and, and you know, all the things that go Pouches, into... all the rest of it. Yeah, all of the things that go into to running the operation that they have, which is usually uh, funded directly from Kirsten and Woody. They yeah. pay for, for the majority of themselves. So... Um, thank you for for doing that. And I know many of you said that they'd been you'd been wanting to to contribute, but wanted to make sure that the the funds you contributed went to an organisation that needed it. And I can tell you that they needed it. Yeah. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for for that. And it's one of the the ways that social media and like connection technology can be a real positive influence on the world. If you've built a community of of like minded people. Mm. And you can call on each other to help when you need to. And what's more, I think people want to help in a very real way. Mm. And you did. Yeah. So that, I you. mean, that was the brightest of bright lights throughout this whole crisis, mm-hmm. which is still happening. Yep. It is. And it is probably not going to go away ever. Well, I mean, this bushfire season will end at some point, but the flow on effects of it are only just being explored now and they're awful mm. it's we're going to talk about this quite a lot this this year um about more ways we can help basically and and more ways we can change so yeah. to be honest i really struggled throughout january my mental health and mm. i'm sure i wasn't alone mm. was uh very poor uh i think it was a combination of you know that like emotional sort of tiredness from from the experience of this summer but um also just the the year that was as well yeah for sure yeah Yeah. um but also I felt for the first time in a long time almost hopeless and that was a really scary place to be Mm. and it has impacted me in, in a a lot of ways and I think that I will look back on this summer as the line in the sand I mean there's been several lines in the sand and I know I've made a lot of changes over the last few years, but the line in the sand where we have to 
decide whether we're going to be imperfect advocates for the environment or whether we're going to ignore it mm. because it's too uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and I think that it's going to be a telling time for Australia the next few months as hopefully the fires do abate whether people go back to the status quo, their comfortable lives where, you know, oh, that was that was yes, that was a horrible summer, but everything will be right, or whether we use it as motivation to make changes and imperfect changes. You know, I think that I've got a lot of thoughts that I haven't quite pulled together in a coherent fashion yet about this idea of doing enough, mm. you know, um, but it's vital mm. that people who care don't allow the enormity of the situation mm. to become the reason they don't do anything, Yeah, you know. So I know that was sort of a, a low way to start the, the year and a low way to start our podcast season as well. But I think it's really important to be honest about how it's affected us, how, you know, it's flowing out through the communities and, and use that as, as the point to begin. One other thing that I want to talk about that's happened during this time as well is is that you've started to write a book. I have. So how much has these current issues impacted your writing or your your how, how the direction of this book may sort of change as a result of this bushfire crisis? It, it's definitely changed it. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure yet of how much. Mm -hmm. It has changed the book that I want to write, mm. but I have pitched and had accepted a particular book proposal. <laughs> so, you know, it, I need to balance. Yeah, yeah, I need to allow what's happening in the world and what's happening in our country to inform where I'm writing from because otherwise it won't be genuine. But I also can't write like a you know <laughs> like a, a rage-induced call to action because mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah. the book that I no, no, no. And, you know and you know what? That's actually not what I do best either. There are many people who do. So I've sort of had to work through that, you know, because initially that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write something that was going to like shake people out of their apathy. Mm. And that's not actually my role in the world. That's not my, my strength, I don't think. My strength is in giving people permission to change imperfectly, to change slowly, but to change intentionally. And the, the whole premise of the book that I pitched and the one that I'm still writing uh, is that I believe that there are, are really small actions that we can all take that will change our personal lives, but that will also change the world through a ripple effect. And that's basically what the book does. It, it breaks down what those changes could be and why, you know, how it would positively benefit us as individuals and then our families and then our neighbours and our communities and our towns and cities and, and countries. And that's what I do well. I think I make change accessible mm. to people. So, you know, the the lens of this book is, is doing that in a way that is accessible to everybody, no matter how time poor or stressed out you are. There are changes that you can make today that will have a positive benefit to you and, you know, the people in your Sphere. Ripple zone, yeah. you know. Ripple zone. Ripple zone. Nice. Just made that up. Like it. So that's where we're at. Now let's talk about briefly what people can expect for this upcoming season five of the Slow Your Home podcast. What do you got? What do you got planned? Uh, well, season five is another different sort of format. I put a call out on the slow post a couple of months back, asking people 
whether they would be interested in hearing me deep dive into different parts of our life and look at it through a lens of slow living. So the examples that I gave and the people were interested in are things like what does our work day look like um, and how do we apply the philosophy of slow to that. The same thing with like our relationship with stuff and, and clutter and, and buying things. How do we view that through, you know, the, the philosophy of slow? And so that's essentially what season five is going to do. Um, so we'll be, we'll be talking through those themes. Yes. So you and I will kind of do a deep dive every episode. So that would be the first half of every episode. And the second half is going to be a catch up with each of the guests from season four, where I did a listener kind of chat every episode. So we get to go back and see if they've done their homework. Yeah. Get see to go back and see what changes that they, yeah. what, cha- what changes they've made. Or what they haven't made. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and where they're at and whether or not the conversation that, that they and I had has shaken loose any kind of shifts or, or realizations. And I, I will say I have had a couple of these conversations already and it's so exciting to see where people are at after nice. after a couple of months. So I'm very much looking forward to this season. It's going to be a different one. Um, we're kind of looking forward throughout the year. I will be bringing the interviews back as well in season six. Just the straight interviews? Yeah, yep. going back to, to that yep. format. And, you know, I really have enjoyed being able to experiment with the format and each season offer something different. Just different, yeah. It Every... keeps things fresh for me yeah. and for you and for listeners, you know. Because I've got to say, do, during the last couple of weeks over the Christmas, New Year break, I've thought seriously about stepping away from the podcast. You did. And, you know, what value am I bringing to the podcast? And we had to talk about what value I bring and that's where I'll be directing my sort of energy from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've, we've done how many episodes? Uh, 300. So you sort of want to try and keep things interesting as much as possible. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. You know, I think I, I enjoy being able to bring the podcast to people mm. who listen um, and I, I enjoy putting together the episodes, yep. but it's important to me to freshen things up. So Definitely. just like a thank you to everyone who has allowed me to do that. I got yeah. heaps of really positive feedback, um, at the end of last year for the season four mm-hmm. format. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this season will be just as enjoyable. Yeah. I'm saying six seasons in a movie. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> A breaking bad after tradition. After the sixth six season, we'll do a full-length movie. Okay. Well, we know who's going to uh, star as you, Thomas Mitrodich, and me, Lauren Lapkus. Uh, that's a nice recall. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're also going to do – there will be an online retreat at some stage during the first half of this year. There will be. So keep an ear out for, for that, and we'll, we'll talk about that in, uh, in a little while. Yeah. But um, – yeah, we're, we're pumped for, for season five. We hope you are too. And you should be getting it sort of in the next couple of weeks. Until then, have a lovely day. Have a lovely day, week and